أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي رب أوزعين أن أشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضاه وأصلح لي في ذريتي إني تبت إليك وإني من المسلمين الحمد لله وثانك الله سبحانه وتعالى for allowing us to be in the mosque in this night for his remembrance. For indeed, nothing is greater in one's life than the remembrance of Allah. He subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim wa akbar. Indeed, the mention of the name of Allah or the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest that you can establish in your life while you are given the chance to live. We live in an age whereby the most important thing for people is to observe what is going on around them, perhaps listen to it through the media or watch it through the media as well. If you don't watch television, maybe through your uh, computer or laptop or even your mobile telephone. And everything is geared towards two things, fun and laughter and play and games. This is what the world is today about. If we can have a fun and we can laugh, that is it. يعني, a lot of people, if you ask them, they just want to have fun. Even subhanAllah, يعني, when people are considering to choose a partner for marriage, in the eyes of a lot of people, the person must be somebody whom you can have fun with. And that is subhanAllah further away from the truth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for us as his inheritors of this earth. And therefore, the whole thing of the fun and the games is to do with news about exposure of other people, businesses. So the whole thing is about spying on people, either by uh, exposing their personal life or their business or their work, everything. And the media plays a big part and makes a lot of money out of this. And gossip, subhanAllah, has a big place in this. And there is no shame on it when people sit and gossip, or people listen to gossip, or read gossip. Whereby Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran about all those things, to the Prophet, and do let them, O Muhammad, to indulge in what they desire in chit-chatting and gossiping and play and have fun until the day that they have been promised. The day when they will be resurrected and be brought forth before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why this happened to people? Because of the arrogance that is within themselves. Man is created in haste. Man is created from dust. Man is brought from parents through a drop that become a clot of blood. And man lives a life whereby he is nothing without Allah. And once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take away his ability to live, he will return back to the mud, as he says in the Quran, منها خلقناكم وفيها نعيدكم تارة أخرى. Okay? From the earth we created you, and into it we will return you once again. So if only we can think of our origins and our 
vulnerability and weakness, then we can remove this arrogance away from us. So Allah states in the Quran by saying, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الإنسان ما غرك بربك الكريم الذي خلقك فسواك فعدلك في أي صورة ما شاء ركبك A question Allah is raising to each one of us asking us by addressing us with the best address okay? to be called an insan or a human is an honor from Allah because an insan Allah has created and favored above all other creatures. For he indeed intended this human will come from one who is Adam, and he said in the Quran about that, bani Adam. Indeed, we have honored the children of Adam. So this honoring is a spiritual honoring for all of us. So Allah is saying to us in this verse, O oh, you man, okay, what make you be foolish or what fools you or what beguiles you or what deluded you okay and make you forget your origins about your lord the most generous the most exalted the one who created you the one who has fashioned you the one who has given you the shape and the figure whereby when you look at it you feel that arrogance and he has chosen to put you in the bus form although it is in his hand to put you in any form he likes. This is something that for every one of us is to think about, to reflect upon, and to ask himself why Allah is asking this question. A lot of the scholars say the question is raised because men without restraint definitely will show off what they can achieve or what they have. If a person suddenly finds himself stronger, will show his strength. If a person suddenly finds himself <coughs> fast, he will show himself okay, that he is fast. If a person is, speaks well, he wants to show he speaks well. If the person <coughs> is intelligent, he wants to show his intelligence, and so on. If you get a ranking, you get a job, you pass an exam, this is the nature of man. And therefore, we need to understand, once we show off, we remove ourselves from the path of dignity, okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislike people showing off and especially those who show off in religion, okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like people to show off. You don't show. Because by showing off, you are not doing it for Allah, but you are doing it to fulfill your own desire and your own nafs. Now, this leads me to look at the youth of today. And the youth of today who are living in our time, they are somehow being taken away from the truth because the whole way of living for them is through the media today. And therefore, they are taught by the media to enjoy games and fun and gossip and play. This is what the whole thing is leading. And even if they have to lie and cheat and deceive, it's fine. To become shrewd to them is the most important thing. To become yani, somebody who is so intelligent but you cannot achieve things because you are feeling good with yourself and you don't want to lie and cheat, it's stupid in their eyes. So we need to go out of our way, especially if we have children and we're raising children, I'm reminding those who have young children, is to be careful. 
Because you don't want your children to turn to you and say, you don't understand. You don't want your children to turn to you and say to you, I know better than what you know. You see? Because this is what children say today. Oh, yeah. I see it every day in the school when a mother is arguing with her child or a father. The child will turn to his mother and say, but you don't understand. If the mother can't understand, who understands? Yeah, who understands? That's the truth. Who understands? Yeah, and if the mother brought you to this world, she carried you for nine months, she gave birth to you in difficulty, she's raising you and she's doing everything else for you, how come she doesn't understand? So there are areas that are very, very important for you who are parents sitting with me here, or inshallah those who will become parents one day, you must take into account. Okay? The importance of the child to the father is absolutely vital because of many, many reasons, but I'm going to mention some of them. If you notice, by nature, a parent loves his children. But not by nature the children love their parents. In many cases, the children don't like their parents. In many cases, the children hate their parents or dislike their parents. And they say it to their faces, I don't like you, I hate you. You will never hear a father or a mother saying to the child, I hate you. I had never heard that. No father or a mother will say to a child, I dislike you, I hate you. It doesn't happen. Because by nature, Allah created the human to love his child. But the opposite is true. The children, they are not automatically loving for their parents. So if you are a child and you have a streak of behaving with your parents in this way, fear Allah because one day if you have children, they might turn out to be exactly like you. Okay? As Rasulullah said in the hadith, the one who commits adultery, it will be done against him, if not with his closest, but maybe in the boundary of his house. So the people who do this, Fahsha, will come and commit it in his boundary. This is what Rasulullah said. So, what is this relationship between the father and the mother and the children? Number one, okay, the father is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with an ability and the mother too to love the child. So they say the child is the beloved of the parent. Every child, whatever color, creed, race, background, he is always loved by his parents. This is number one. Okay? Number two, he is the fruits of his living and life. Nothing is more important to any human being than his children. Parents who are so rich, if anything is happening to their children, they will give all their wealth for their children. If they are sick, they will pay all the money just to keep them safe. If they are dying, if they are going to be taken away, they can pay any ransom to get them back. Because at the end of the day, they are more important than anything else. So they love them. And subhanAllah, if you look into the history of humanity, and the parents will do anything <coughs> to save their children. Anything. They will never give up for the children. Wars started because of a child is being snatched and then 
tit for tat, people fight one another, and it goes for years. In a hadith Qudsi from Rasulullah Sallam, and a hadith Qudsi is a statement from Jibreel relating a saying from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا مات ولد العبد if the servant of Allah child passes away or dies قال الله تعالى لملائكته Allah سبحانه وتعالى says to his angels those who came to take his soul away قبضتم ولد عبدي did you take away the spirit or the soul of my servant of the child of my servant فيقولون نعم they will say yes فيقول قبضتم ثمرة فؤاده فيقولون نعم you have taken the fruits of his life they will say yes we have taken his child فيقول ماذا قال عبدي he will ask them what did my servant says فيقولون حمدك واسترجع he has praised you thanked you and repeated that he will definitely return to you فيقول الله تعالى ابنوا لعبدي بيتا في الجنة وسموه بيت الحمد Build a house for my servants in paradise and call it the house of gratitude So here it shows you clearly that indeed the most important element in the life of a human being after all the education you have after all the work you do after all the money you earn and the status Okay, you build in your life, your child is more important than all that. You are willing to give all that for your child. However, if then your child is to die, to be lost, rather than complaining, rather than being angry, rather than questioning why, because this is reality. That death which they are escaping from definitely is going to meet them. You can't run away from death. If you can, then at that position when your child is taken away from you, remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, those who will say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon, ulaika alayhim salatul marabim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace that يعني, feeling of loss in their heart by giving them a feeling of tranquility and peace in their heart. Okay? وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بشيء من الخوف okay. we will indeed test you with some fear ونقص في الأموال والأنفث والسمرات and a reduction in your wealth and in your children or those whom you love around you you could lose money okay. you could lose property you could lose belongings generally you could lose one of your beloved in your life your wife, your father, your mother, your child whatever But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who will act with perseverance and show tolerance at that moment of time and say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon, we are from Allah, and to him we return, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely going to replace their anguish, their fear, their uh, sense of loss by giving them something to complete them and to make them feel good. Okay, that's why the question is, what did he say? What did my servant say? When you took his child away, and they will say, Hamadak was He praised you, okay? And he repeated what you want him to repeat by saying, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. By the way, you don't repeat this only when somebody dies. Although, in a lot of Muslim minds, 
it is only said when somebody is dead. But anything you lose in your life or you hear bad news, you always just say, Inna lillahi wa raji'un. And in fact, if you feel any feeling of fear in your heart, just say, Inna lillahi wa Because the first is, as if Allah is telling us, if I am putting you in a position of death by fear, rather than panicking, just keep repeating, this will remove away fear from your heart. In fact, in some of the taraiq, they do words from this for people that they can read it regularly. And it will make your life much better, inshallah. Number three, the child to the parents is one of his responsibility. Each one of us have a responsibility. The ultimate responsibility for the person is his own responsibility. For yourself, there is a right. You must look after yourself. Look after your body. Look after your health. Look after the environment you live in. You must keep yourself the way Allah wants you to keep yourself. And you must strive to keep the faith in your heart. This is your duty. Okay? Indeed, we have created you to test you to see which of you will be better in doing good in this world. Who will strive to do more good? So for that reason, okay, it is something important for you to look after yourself. Then, if you have children, you look after your children. They are your responsibility. If you have a wife, you look after your wife. She is your responsibility. In this day and age, a lot of the younger men who get married, because the wife is working as well, she can look after herself. They don't look after their wives. Your wife is your responsibility. You must look after her, whether she's working or not. Because at the end of the day, when she was living with her parents, her father was responsible for her. So now you took that responsibility, hence the father gave you the girl in marriage. In many cases, the father sits in front of the imam or the ma'azun to give the girls to you or to give her hands to you in marriage. That's the idea. So you need to think of that. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كلكم راع وكلكم مسؤول عن رعيته. You are all shepherds and each one of you is responsible about those people whom has given responsibility for you to look after them. If you have younger brothers and sisters, even if your father is there, you are responsible for them. You must make sure that no harm comes their way. Check on them, ring them, ask about them, what's happening to them in their life. It is your responsibility. If you have got next of kins, uncle, cousins, very, very important. In this day and age, this is one of the weakest thing that we have in our religion. We are not connecting to our relations, and this is no good. Okay? It is better to do. Number four, the child is ultimately is one of the <coughs> acts that the parent has taken in his life to achieve. Okay? And therefore, when he got married and had a partner, the father or the mother, she had her husband, the ultimate thing they want in this world is to have a child. Nobody gets married just for sake of marriage. People get married, yes, to have a partner, to have peace with, to have a, a companion, to be having company with, to have somebody you grow old with, to have somebody who can, you can share things with, but ultimately you get married to have children. And in many cases, if the partner you marry cannot have children, people despair and they get 
يعني in a, in a position whereby they either they divorce or they separate or they go and get married again. And this is one of the things that in Islam is allowed. If you get married and you cannot have children, then your wife can give you the permission to marry again. And she has the right to remain or to divorce. It's up to her. The Sunnah is in the Quran when Sarah, <coughs> السلام, the wife of Sayyidina Ibrahim, السلام, grew older and Ibrahim السلام, wanted somebody to inherit his knowledge as a prophet. He prayed and asked Allah for a child and Allah <coughs> gave him Ismail, but not through Sarah, through Hajir. So Sarah asked Ibrahim السلام, to marry Hajir, although she was living with them يعني, as somebody who's working for them or supporting them or helping them. Okay, She was not from their land. She was not from their people. She's from Egypt and they are from Iraq. So he married her, had Ismail alayhi salam. Very, very important to realize this is a sunnah. So in Islam, if somebody says, why should somebody marry a second wife? Ibrahim alayhi salam got married a second wife because his first wife could not have children. This is a very good, very good reason. In the case of Sayyidina Ibrahim السلام, that means he married her and remained with her for years because she became very old. Because when the Malaika came to go and destroy the village of Sayyidina Lut السلام, because of the evil that was taking place there, they passed through Ibrahim السلام, to bring the good news to Sarah that she's going to have a baby. And, 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 and subhanAllah, Sarah already, she was very, very old and she could not conceive anymore. But Allah made her conceive and have a child, which is Ishaq So I think growing up with that person for many, and you don't just rush one year, two years, and yeah, just yeah. It, you have to take time doing that. This is very, very important. Okay? And it is very important that these things must be done by the father to the child. Living in this country, it makes me feel sad that the government has to run after fathers because they're not looking after their children. What is the responsibility of the father? I believe it should be a part of the curriculum taught in secondary school to children and in college and in university to remind them of their duty because a lot of the young men nowadays, they're quick to get married, but they don't want to take any responsibility for the children. Number one, once you have children, you must spend money to look after them. You must give them shelter, you must clothe them, you must feed them, you must pay for uh, their education, you must pay for uh, their medication, you must help them in every aspect of their living because you are the responsible person for them. Okay? Absolutely important, without that. Okay? Number two, you must nurture the child. Okay? You must nurture the child by teaching them the adab or the conduct or the behavior that the Prophet taught the children and taught us to teach our children. Number three, you must educate the child. Education is the responsibility of the father. Not the mother, it's the father. You must, it is a responsibility. Okay? Rasulullah says, Teach your children to pray from the age of seven and discipline them from the age of ten. So it is so important that we teach our children. And number four, okay, you must teach your child, okay, that 
he must always pray and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make dua so that he can pray for you. For Rasulullah says, yani, once you die, your book will be closed except for three things that you left behind. A book that you have written and people can benefit from. As long as that is happening, you will get the reward. How many of us write books? Very few. Okay, and how many of us write books that have benefit? Very rare. Number two, a charity that you have established, and as long as people are benefiting from it, you get the reward. How many charities remain forever? Very little. But if you have a child whom you have taught well to pray and to make dua, he will definitely pray for you. Okay? And the best if you can make your child a half of the Quran. Because a half of the Quran will have the ability to save 12 people going to the hellfire at the Shafi'i. Okay? So imagine and you are the father and you have led him to that. It will be done. But, subhanallah, this fruit of your labor, okay, this child whom you have brought to this world could not be sometimes according to the wishes that you have intended <laughs> as it, it happened to Sayyidina Nuh salam. He worked very hard to save the believers and when the water Yani covered all the land where they were and they were in the ark he told his son to come with them although he was one of those people who used to ridicule his father and ask him why he's wasting his time in building the ark so Allah says in the Quran أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قال يا نوح إنه ليس من أهلك إنه عون غير صالح he said oh Nuh he is not one of your family he is an act that is no good okay this is something that you have achieved in your life which has no benefit for you. Forget about him. Why? Because he went against his father's wishes and his father's wishes are only the teaching of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah says, bring everybody into the ark, they will be saved and everybody outside the ark will be okay, and destroyed. He said, I will find a place in a mountain quite high which will save me from the water. And all the mountains okay, were immersed in the water where they were. Okay? So, what do we need from the child? One of the great poets of Arabia wrote a beautiful poem about the child, or about the good child that you can have in your life. And he says, خير ما ورث الرجال بنيهمي أدب صالح وحسن الثناء هو خير من الدنانير والأوراق في يوم شدة أو رخاء تلك تثنى والدين والأدب الصالح لا تثنيان حتى البقاء انت أدبت يا بني صغيرا كنت يوما تعد في القبراء The best that men have given their children in inheritance not the money not the property, but good adab, good nurturing, good upbringing, okay? good akhlaq, good manners, okay? and being able to show gratitude to the parents, to those who serve them, to humanity at large, and definitely to Rasulullah and to Allah Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is better than the money that they will gain or earn in this world, at a time of ease or a time of difficulty. Doesn't matter. Okay? For the wealth that they can achieve will be destroyed. 
However, the religion or faith and good conduct and behavior, they will never be destroyed. They will remain with you for the hereafter. They say, once you are put into your grave, everything you accumulated in this world of the physical benefit, money, wealth, property, you leave behind. What goes with you inside is the good conduct and behavior that you have achieved and the good work you have done. Nothing else. And then he says in the last verse, addressing the child, Oh my son, if you can keep yourself into the right path with the good conduct as a child or as a youth, one day you will be counted among those who are great. The greatest men are not the men of titles or men of power or men of stature in the society or men who come from noble families. No, no. You don't count people like that. The greatest men are those who have got the greatest conduct. Hence, Allah praised the greatest man in the Quran as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi O Muhammad, indeed, you have been put in a position of the greatest conduct and behavior. There is nobody greater than Muhammad sallallahu You see, as I began my talk, people today, they love gossiping, chit-chatting, playing, having fun, having a laugh, even choosing their partner for that. Cheating and deceiving is important and being cunning and being shrewd considered to be very intelligent. Yet, Muhammad Sallam, Khairul Bashar, Allah described him as ala azim, being brought up with the best conduct and behavior because he is truthful and honest. That's it. You cannot be a man or a woman with great position in conduct and behavior and you are a liar or you are a cheat or you are a deceiver, or you are dishonest. But these this are common today. The world today is upside down, so we need to be careful. Now, what's the duty then of the father other than okay, spending on the child, other than educating the child and nurturing them to be good and teaching them to pray so that they can pray for them? What else specifically they are responsible for according to Muhammad Sallallahu Number one, they must teach their children the Quran. Your child is your responsibility that they must teach the Quran. It makes me feel sad when an adult says, I did not learn the Quran. I don't know how to read the Quran. What, what did your father do then? Why didn't he teach you? Why didn't he send you to somebody to teach you? Did he send you to school? Yes. You see parents in the morning between half past seven to nine o'clock, rushing, blocking the streets in London because they have to take the children to school. For two reasons. Because they want their children to have education, because if you have education, you're going to get a certificate and it's going to get you a job and it might give you a title, give you money, whatever. So they want the dunya. And in the afternoon, they do the same to bring them back. What about the Quran? In this country, on Sunday, streets were full and busy when I arrived here in the 70s. Because people were taking their children to the churches. Today, most of the churches either they're converted into housing or shops or discos or dancing places or Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen like this church into Muslims. This is good. But there is benefit. But when they're converted into places of fun or doing haram, then what's the benefit? So teaching the Quran to your child is a must. Remind anybody who have a child, you must teach your child the Quran. This is the responsibility. 
Okay? The best of you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. If you can't teach it yourself, learn it and get somebody else to teach your child to know the Quran. Because without the Quran, it's no good. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab is reported once, a man came to him to complain about his child. He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, oh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, my son is being behaving badly towards me. Why? He said, he does not listen to me and he misbehaved in a way that makes me feel very sad and I did everything possible but he's still disobedient and I would like you to punish him. He turned to the son and said, is that true? He said, yes. Are you rude to your father? He said, yes. But isn't he have a responsibility towards me? He said, yes, he have a responsibility. He says, my father did not teach me the Quran. No. My father did not teach me the Quran. And isn't he responsible for giving me the best name? He said, yes. He did not give me the best name. What did he name you? He named me Ju'ul. And Ju'ul meaning a beetle or something like that. Yeah? Ju'ul. And whenever the children say my name, they laugh at me and they mock me. He said, is this true to the father? The father said, yes. He said, rather than punishing him, I need to punish you. <laughs> to stress the position of the father in the importance of naming the child and teaching them the Quran first. Okay? This is what the Prophet said. Choose for your children the best names and teach them the Quran. Number two, at-tahara, cleansiness. Yani, a human being is clean by nature. And therefore, if you look at the creatures of the earth, one of the dirtiest creatures is the khinzir. It loves to dirt the pig, yeah. It loves to dirty itself. It passes water and it rolls over it. You see? No creature does that. And there are some insects, there are some little creatures of this world, they clean themselves all the time. You see, they, 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 they want to be clean. But the human beings, by nature, should always be clean. Inna Allah yuhibbul mutahireen. Allah loves those who clean themselves. Spiritually, by istighfar and repentance. But physically, by istinja, making wudu, and by taking a shower or a bath. Regularly. Allah loves those who are clean. And our religion is established upon cleanliness. You cannot worship Allah while you are dirty. Okay? Bad smells <coughs> are discouraging to the malaika to be with the worshiper when he worships. And Rasulullah discourages the person even if he eats onion or garlic to come to the mosque and to pray with him because it put people off and the malaika will not be approaching. Okay? So this is important. Teach your children to be clean. I, I am astonished. You might think, well, in this day and age, there's a lot of water and it is easy, just a tap. I ask the children in my school and I regularly talk about cleanliness. And generally, I ask them, how often you take a shower or a bath? And believe me, there are children who take a bath or a shower once every two weeks. What? Once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. How sad, <coughs> living in a day and age whereby water is there in abundance, you just open the tap. And a lot of the children, once a week. 
and once a week is normal. Other than that, twice a week or three times a week. And it's all wrong. A person should wash every day. You should never, never live a day without washing. Either you wash in the night or you wash in the day. Make a habit of yourself. Either you wash before you go to work or you wash when you come back from work to have a clean body. Don't go to bed until you wash your body if you can't clean in the morning. Five minutes. Not more than that. Keep it. And the second thing, every time you use the bathroom or every time your wudu is broken and it is easy for you, make wudu. And if you get this habit, then you will be kept in a very good position because the malaika will be with you. And if you are in a position whereby you cannot make wudu, make tayammum. In London, you are traveling, you are going around, keep a small little stone, you see? And like this telephone, you can get a small little stone like that. It doesn't have to be big, something small, put it in your pocket. If you are in a place whereby you cannot make wudu, and you, your wudu is broken, just make tayammum. Touch it, rub it in your hand, put it down. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, make masah to your face, fully. Don't touch your hand like that. Take the stone again, like that, put it again. Done. That's it. And you'll be exactly like you made wudu. But the moment you reach a place where there is water to make wudu, then make wudu. Once the water arrives, tayammum is no longer needed. And number three, you must teach your child to go to the mosque. That means you must teach them the prayer because the prayer is the responsibility. And then to go to the mosque because the mosque is the place where the child can build this deen can make this deen. Without the mosque, we don't have anything. The mosque is not just for the prayer. The mosque is for learning. It's a center for the community. And number four, you must teach your child the etiquette of eating. People might think it is, doesn't matter. We are born to know how to eat. But believe me, eating and eating is totally different. You look at some people eating, you feel sad. And there are some people thinking Islam, it is sunnah to lick our fingers. So they're eating with you and now. <laughs> and the non-Muslim who thinks he had the etiquette okay, or the culture okay, or the education think, how disgusting this Muslim are. <laughs> how disgusting. I don't think the Prophet will do that. I don't really think so. The Prophet was a wise man. That's it. Yani, uh, it is it is so important that we, we, we know what to do when we are eating with people. If we are eating alone, right, but always the etiquette of eating is important. So what is the etiquette of eating? The etiquette of eating that you never eat before you wash your hands. You never eat alone. You never eat in the street. You never eat walking. You must sit to eat. You must sit with people. Even one person. You must say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim before you eat. You must eat with your right. You must eat from that which is closest to you. You must share the food with others. If there are things in front of you which are better in their quality of food than that which is far away, give it to people. Share with people. Okay? And never put your hand to take from in front of them. Let them give you. Because Islam is about sharing and caring for one another. And you must eat a third fill of your stomach. Don't overindulge. 
Okay, don't say it is sunnah to finish this food. <laughs> not sunnah. It's, it's not sunnah to finish it. Okay? Okay. Hasbul mar'i luqaymatin yuqimna sulba. Okay? A person will only need few mouthful to make him stand on his two feet. Okay? You need just to be able to stand. When you are hungry, you can't stand. You need to stand so that you can bow and prostrate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, you must make sure the food you eat, you chew. Before you put the extra food in your mouth. You must swallow your food. You must eat, not in haste. Eat slowly. Okay? You must close your mouth while you are eating. This is from the Sunnah of the Prophet And once you finish, you must praise Allah. As you said, Bismillah at the beginning, at the end. Okay? Bismillah awwalu wa akhiru. You mentioned the name of Allah at the beginning of the food and at the end of it. And then, if we are eating in somebody's house, we must make prayer for them. Okay? And remembering the Prophet saying, Barakallahu fi ta'amin kasrat fihi al-ayadi. Allah blesses the food that too many hands eat from it. Rasulullah once was fasting and nobody was fasting with him and they were camping outside. Anath ibn Malik was saying, and so he prepared his food for him because he used to serve him and put it for him in the tent where he was sitting. Then the Prophet came out. He was praying. He just came out. He said, Isn't there anybody to eat with me? And I said, Never the Prophet eat alone. Whenever everybody has eaten and you bring him food, he must bring somebody to come and eat with him. So always, even if you come late to your house or to the place where you are staying, and everybody said, Well, we have eaten. Nowadays, we see we have a habit. We buy the takeaway and we just put it in front of us and let's eat it. Sit in the bus and we don't eat in the bus, we don't eat in the train, we don't eat in the street. In fact, one of the reasons why sometimes a person is rejected as a good witness in Islam in the olden days is when a person is seen eating in the street or eating walking. Walking, eating. While he's walking, eating. Then this person is not a good witness. Why? Because they show no mercy. Maybe there are other people who are hungry seeing or watching that person. So these are the <coughs> etiquettes of eating. Okay, and there are books written about this. I'm just saying, mentioning some of them. And the last thing, you must teach your child the respect for the elder and the showing of kindness for the younger generation or the younger people in their life. Because it is a duty upon our young to respect our elder. And it's the duty of the elder to show care and kindness to the young ones by guiding them, teaching them, supporting them, okay, protecting them. This is the idea. Today we're living in a world whereby we're frightened for the young from the evil adults. Although the adults are supposed to look after the young. And only in the news this week you have seen a child who just went out from his house to go and get something. And three adults snatched him. What's this? Doesn't make any sense. Yani, there's something wrong in the society yani, whereby children are being harmed by those who are supposed to look after them. And what makes me feel more sad, sometimes the harm comes from within. And therefore, a lot of children are suffering. Really, a lot of children in this land. And if the walls okay, have a mouse to speak to us, we'll hear a lot of children crying in homes, either beaten up or physically abused generally or psychologically or emotionally or even 
لكن سكشوالي سو وي هاف تو بي كيرفول اند وي هاف تو ريلي شو كايندنس تو ذا يونجر جنريشن يعني وي ليف ات تايم ان ان ايج وير باي تو ماني رونجز ار تيكن بليس اند ايفريثينج از ابسايد داون مي الله ميك ات ايزي فور اس تو انديرستاند اور ريسبونسيبيليتي اند تو كاري اوت اور ديوتي اكوردنج تو ذا تيتشينج اوف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اند تو فولو هيم اد الله سبحانه وتعالى اس كوماند اس تو فولو هيم اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله الامين واله وصحبه وسلم يا رب استرنا يا رب انصرنا يا رب ايدنا يا رب وفقنا يا رب كلنا ولا تكن علينا اللهم رب حرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكرمنا بكنفك الذي لا يضام واحفظنا بك اللهم من سطوة الانام اغفر لهم ولنا فضلك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام ربنا اجعل جمعنا هذا جمعا مباركا مرحوما واجعل لهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرقا معصوما واجعل ما فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محروما اللهم رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين يا رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين يا رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم رب حفظنا القران وفقهنا في الدين واجعلنا من عبيدك المتفقين وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح بسم الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين اياك نعبد واياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم والصراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين امين